Welcome back to the online dance party that is the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's episode is so good. It's with my buddy Brandon Collinsworth. Brandon is super inspiring, extremely impressive. He is a Nike master trainer. He's a yoga teacher. He is a human performance coach. He is a high school dropout turned masters in positive psychology. He runs an annual retreat down in Peru. He used to own and operate multiple gyms in the Las Vegas area. Mm. He is one of my favorite humans. Dude is deep. And on this episode, we talked about so many different things. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about yoga. We talk about meditation and presence, gratitude, friendship, the meaning of life, how to forgive yourself. Mm, there's so many delicious things in this podcast. I really encourage you to check Brandon out on the Instagram at Brandon Collinsworth and enjoy the podcast. Good God, ancestors, flow through me, flow through us. Brandon Collinsworth. Welcome to the podcast. What is good, brother? It's all good. It is an honor to be here. So in traditional podcast fashion, I uh, just shoot the shit with the guests for a few minutes and I'm like, okay, we gotta like, we gotta just turn this thing on because this is all good stuff, <laughs> man. So uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for yeah. being who you are. Thank you, brother. For those unfortunate few that don't actually know who you are, what, uh, like, what's your deal? Who are you? I'm an amplifier of humans. My purpose on this planet is to help people see themselves in the proper light, which is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, miraculousness. And from that space, share their powers with the world. Because we, as we uplift ourselves, we inevitably uplift the whole. I just love you, man. I love you back. <laughs> that's, like, that's such a good answer. So how do you do that? Why, why is that your thing? Like, why is that your why? It stems from where I come from. It stems from society telling me that I could only fly so high, I could only jump so far, that I'm a statistic, that I'm no more than this beautiful brown caramel skin that covers these bones. And at a young age, I realized that I wanted to prove people wrong. I wanted to, one, transcend my circumstances, the streets of Vegas, and two, once I started to transcend my circumstances, I wanted to show others how to also transcend theirs. What's cool is I be it became a self-experiment on myself. I was like, all right, how do I amplify every one of my superpowers? And I speak of superhumans a lot. I speak of X-Men a lot. This love, I remember I was seven years old. I was at my friend Chad's house and we were up super late playing like earthworm gym or something crazy. I remember that video. <laughs> yeah, it was like amazing eating all these chocolates. And then we went to sleep, you know, candy induced a coma. And about 6 a.m. in the morning, I remember being shook. And it's my buddy Chad. He's like over me, shaking me. And he's like, Brandon, wake up. I'm like, what? What is this? He said, wake up. The best show ever is about to come on. And I was like, all right, as a kid, I'm like, okay, this is this is huge. So we ran out to the living room, and all of a sudden, the uncanny X-Men came on. And I was blown away. These, like, ordinary individuals with extraordinary powers. And it became, like, this set point. Like, I started walking around, like, what if I could... What if I was made of adamantium and I could just run through this wall right here? What if I could fly like Storm? What if I could channel my brain like Professor Xavier? And what I realized is we truly are superhuman. Each one of us has these unique superpowers that makes us incredible. And what I loved about the X-Men was that it was their individualities that made them so unique. And as I have walked my path and I've realized my superpowers more and more and started to learn to harness them through many different modalities. It's really given me the fire to help people do the same. It's like, stop trying to be like everybody else because if Superman was trying to be Aquaman, it's not working. Mm. 
it's when we start to truly own our own light, our own power, that not only does it become amplified, but as Marion Williamson says, it also gives people the permission to do the same as well. Dude, I don't even know what to say to you right now. Like, I just feel like I want to just have you talk for like an hour and I'll just sit here with some popcorn. We can and freestyle. Like, and like, just get uplifted, like feeling, feel all the light that you shine, man. That's so good. And it's so true, right? Yeah. So why do you think, I mean, I, I think I know the answer is like society and culturally, we're always comparing ourselves to others, right? Right. right. And we're always chasing this idea of <clears throat> more, more than, not good enough. Uh, money, fame, success, and we're always trying to emulate these people whose lives we see through the media, through social media. And I feel like, sort of as you described, it's, it's just a trap, right? Yeah. Like nobody can do your life the way you can. Right. Like that's your power. Right. Nobody is you. <laughs> right. Nobody has your genetic gifts. Nobody has right. your voice. Nobody has your life experiences. Right. That's your fuel, right? And it sort of sounds like you kind of. Uh, turned your childhood pain or previous pain into passion now of like no I've unlocked the code so to speak yeah. like I've figured it out and you can too so let's all rise up that's it yeah that's it it's it's we are given exactly what we need to fly that means the shit mm. and you know the candy the sweet stuff they're yeah. all there to help us harness our powers. Mm. You know, I think back to like Superman and as he started to like learn that he was super, it took him a while. He had to face certain enemies, AKA the obstacles of our life. Mm -hmm. He had to learn who he was. He had to stand for something. There's this powerful quote from the Man of Steel where Jonathan Kent's like, Clark, you're gonna have to decide what type of man you wanna be in good or bad. He's gonna change the world. And the more he start, you know, the more he expressed his power, the more he went through the adversities, both good and bad, the more he established his value and his root, the more powerful he became. And that's, mm. you know, the hero's journey that all of us get this mm -hmm. opportunity to take part in. The dragons, the demons, the devils, those are the things we gotta slay, both internally and externally. Totally agree. I was actually talking about that with our mutual friend, Mark Groves, this morning. So love you, Mark. Love you, Mark Groves. Uh, <laughs> so I was on his podcast, and I was talking about the hero's journey. Of, so you, you sort of hear the call, yeah. right? And then there's the moment where you hear it, and then you ignore it. And you kind of retreat back into comfort <laughs> and normality, and you're right. like, and fear in some ways. Yeah. Like, no, I can't, I can't do that, or that's not for me, or I'm not ready yet, or I'm not good enough. And then there's that time in between, and then eventually you answer that call, yeah. right? Yeah. And that can be really scary. It's, it's the moment when, like, Clark Kent, I suppose, truly accepts and acknowledges that he's <sighs> Superman. Like, that to me is like, yeah. now things change. Yeah. Of, like, in that moment of acceptance, of not being scared of the light, not being scared to fly, not being scared of the responsibility... Or actually of, of being scared and doing the damn thing anyway. Right. Right? It's right. Like, all right, game on. It's instant responsibility. Yeah. It's like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. It's all in. <laughs> all in on all in. That's what you always say, yeah. right? Um, that responsibility, it becomes, it becomes powerful because once, you, once one truly decides to walk the hero's journey, they have to take the good and the bad. They have to take responsibility for everything that pa that path has to offer for hmm. example superman could easily i mean he has a very good resume <laughs> he's doing like okay. yeah like <laughs> any super villain would be like listen superman we're gonna give you full benefits full perks mm -hmm. come over on this side and come hang out with us <laughs> but bring your cake bro. <laughs> bring, you, bring your cake yeah but he decided you know he so in that accepting of the hero's path one has to accept all aspects of it Mm. And at the same time, remember the center, remember the truth, remember the values that got you to that hero's path, because that's going to inevitably keep you, bring one back to center when the vices of the world and the supervillains and everything try to pull one off that path. Right. And so how do you do that personally? Like, how do you stay center? For me, there's a three, few different methods I use. I think the first is, it really comes down to gratitude 
we were speaking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Just the pure, secret sauce. The secret sauce. Uh, that's, the, that's the magic of you know bottles and gratitude. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gratitude really brings me back to center. It puts things in perspective. It puts me in a state of consciousness where I'm rooted in truth, rooted in love. I, I don't think you can be hateful and grateful at the same time. Gratitude is that mm. that that it's a, that tool that brings one back into homeostasis. So gratitude's always been a, a, a huge tool that I've used. I learned it's, at a young age that. No matter how bad certain things were, there was always something to be grateful for. And it's been reinforced through my travels, you know, going to India. Um, one of my most cherished memories is I had a conversation with a kid who had his hand chopped off for stealing food for his family. The kid was 14 years old, but he had such a beautiful, grateful disposition to himself. And the reality is we are so blessed to be alive at this very time in history. So many people sacrificed so much for us. Our ancestors laid it down for us. This is the first time that all of us are able to really self-actualize and self-express. That very fact alone, what a blessing. So one of my most powerful tools is gratitude. And it's one of those tools that is easily, easily accessible. So like, how do you operationalize gratitude? Like, what do you do? Like, what's your practice? It's just, so one of my, tools that is the money tool yeah is it's incredible is i have a gratitude alarm that goes off every day i have the same at 314 okay and it says gratitude yeah and every day it reminds me to stop whatever i'm doing wherever i'm at i yeah. might be just like in the worst of mood mm-hmm. and it's like all right this yes. is what i'm grateful for yes man i i have the exact do you have other alarms as well i do what, what what do you got let's compare alarms i have a reading alarm like read something new Okay. It goes off and reminds me. So I might be busy, but as soon as I get some free time, open my mind up and try to like take in a new thought or a new idea just to okay. keep the brain flow stimulated. I like it. What else? Do you got another one? Those are my two. Those are your two? Yeah. I've got uh, at 3.33, take three deep breaths. Oh, I love that. So like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to swap, swap alarms. And, and this to me is like, I did an Instagram post about this a while ago of, of like using your phone to create the environment that you want yeah. that helps you thrive. Yeah. People always talk about phones is this and phones that and social media this and social media. I hate social media. And it's like, that's like saying I hate hammers, you know, like hammers can be really useful for building a house. Right. Or you can like, or you can kill somebody with a hammer. Yeah. It's like your choice, right? So for me, the alarm function, and if you're listening, I dare you to set a few alarms in your phone because you can even add the text, the, the label. Yeah. Right? So I got, yeah, 333, take three deep breaths. And I learned this from my friend Pete Longworth. Okay. Uh, and then another one I did is at 555, I have um, feel five heartbeats. Ooh. So like I, I just take my pulse. I love that. It's on my, on my wrist. And that to me is a reminder that that like I'm a miracle. Yeah. That there's a muscle in my body that's pumping right. blood through these microscopic tunnels underneath my skin. And so for me, that's just a reminder of the miraculous. That's poetry. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, so those are my ones. I love that you have gratitude as well. I have gratitude, I think, at, um, at like 11, 11, 11. And then my last one is from my friend uh, Trevor Bohm, who's a men's coach. And uh, his is at... At 10 a.m., my alarm goes off and it says in all capital letters, no one is coming to save you. <sighs> of like personal responsibility, like get after it. Yeah. You know, like be your own hero. I guess that fits in with the Superman theme. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. so cool what you said too because these are such powerful tools. Yeah. And, and people think, oh, it can't be that easy. Like, oh, just be grateful and my life will change. Like, yeah. 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 There's empirical research. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. What is it? Martin Seligman, uh, my professor at the University of Pennsylvania, who I studied positive psychology under. Awesome. They did the research and they found that people who are grateful, that have a gratitude practice, are exponentially more happy than people who are not. And I would go on record saying that I believe that people who are grateful are more successful than people who are not. Agreed. It, depending how you define success, if you define it as happier moment to moment, more uh, more present, like all the things. Yeah. I remember years ago before I was in the like, whatever you want to call this world that we're in, this self-help, <laughs> personal development, <laughs> woo-woo land, that, um, <laughs> woo-woo land, 
But I, I did that like before I went to before I fell asleep. I would like be laying in bed and I would just think of ten things that day that I was grateful for that were awesome. And I would challenge myself to not repeat the same one every day. It's like think of the smallest thing. Right. Like, oh, I'm grateful for my nose. Like I can smell things. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I just did that as like an experiment for a while. And just as you described, I found that over time it started to really shift my my world and like my identity even and I would see things moment to moment and I would catch myself being oh that's amazing I can use that tonight for my gratitude list right right? and you start to see the world differently through these lenses of gratitude these lenses of appreciation and seeking miracles and then I found that everything changed it's like you can't unsee it in that way right yeah it's a game of consciousness and when we establish ourselves in a place of gratitude. You know, the quote by Carl Jung, I believe, he said, we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. Mm. I believe, I think I might be misquoting. It's a good one regardless, yeah, yeah, man. regardless. <laughs> and it's true, and that frequency of gratitude puts a person in a space to be able to pick up and see mm. abundance. And I always say, you know, gratitude is the access point to abundance. So to be able to like root in a place that is going to inevitably open up the doors for more abundance, it just builds on Mm. top of each other. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so uh, going back to your tools for remaining centered in a chaotic world. Gratitude is one. Gratitude. uh, I know yoga is one. Yoga is huge. Throw that at you. You know, 2014, I was in uh, Bali, and at that time, I had a beautiful penthouse in Vegas. I was at the top of the training game. I was traveling with athletes all over the world, um, head head trainer for several big acts in different in, in the music industry, and I was unhappy, super unhappy. And 30 years old, I woke up, broke up with my girlfriend. Got a ticket to Bali and found myself at the yoga barn. (laughs) Went to a class, um, part yoga, part because I heard that there was 50 beautiful women. It's true, I went to the yoga barn. (laughs) Yoga barn. This was a a different time of life, so I went to this class and I, you know, at that time I was was yoked, you know, I was working out a lot and, and there was a lot of ego that was running through me and in the middle of the class the teacher came up and she told me that I got it all figured out on the outside, but I got nothing figured out on the inside. And that was my introduction to yoga. And (laughs) it's a pretty impressive teacher, right? To single you out. Yeah, yeah. You need to hear this. She she knew it and it and it changed my life. It it was humbling enough to make me understand that I really needed to go deeper into who I was. And at that time, I remember I would deal with anxiety. I would deal with depression. I was so caught up in comparing and contrasting and trying to, you know, figure out my worth based off of some outside ideal rather than, you know, my inner world. And slowly but surely, the yoga started to work. With everything I do, I want to study with the best of the best of the best. That's just how I am. I want to, I want to if I have the opportunity to study with the greatest masters, I want to do that. And so it kicked off this journey to figure out, one, who who are the lineage holders? Who are the wisdom keepers? That first led me to Sri Dharma Mitra. He's uh, out of New York, and he is one of the most prolific yogis in the game. And it was interesting because I got there thinking it was a physical practice, and I realized <laughs> it has nothing to do with the physical. And <clears throat> one of the things he says is that there, without a hymn, Without ahimsa, there is no yoga. So a lot of people think that yoga is about the asana. It's about the movement. You see the lotus poses. You see the warrior yeah. too. The pigeon. The pigeon. Yeah. And they're like, well, I'm a good yogi. No, you're you're very good at your asana. You're very good. You're at flexible. Your, you're flexible. <laughs> it doesn't make you a yogi. Mm. And so once I got introduced to the philosophical tenets of yoga, namely the yamas and the niyamas, it really opened up a new door, a new operating system, and reinforced some like inner voice that always told me that without our values, like without living a life rooted in values and compassion, yeah. there's no way that we can ascend or 
there's no way that we can harness the power that we are. So Dharma Mitra really established ahimsa, ahimsa meaning nonviolence, compassion for all living things. And it was crazy because in order to study with him, he requires you to go vegan, vegetarian. And as, at that time, that was that was a stretch for me. I'm like, yeah. what, what is this? Yeah. So the what now? The with what? the what? The, okay, <laughs> right, right. So then, without getting too, I mean, you can go as far as you want, as deep as you want. Yeah, but. But when you talk about the yogi philosophy or the, the mental aspect of being a yogi, mm-hmm. if it's not the poses and if it's not the color of my mat and the Lululemon outfit I've got and how flexible I am, you know, which I think most people think of when they associate yoga. Yeah. So what does that actually mean to like be a yogi or to or the, the philosoph the philosoph yeah. the philosophy yeah. of yoga? Well, you know, the foundation, it's the yamas. And these yamas are like a code of conduct like this ancient code of conduct that they knew 5,000 years ago was essential to essentially getting to a space where you can be present and pick up because we're just these hypersensitive antennas Mm. pick up the messages that come through that is a part of the divinity a part of the whole so the very first yama is ahimsa the second one is satya ahimsa is nonviolent satya is truthfulness and it's beautiful because it's so practical. You know, yoga at its core basically says that we are complete. Everything that we need, we come fully equipped with. All the tools that we have, we come fully equip, equipped with. So the first two sutras are the yamas, the niyamas, then asana movement, and then the fourth is pranayama. And it, the physical is essentially saying that if you have all these ailments, if your body's all out of whack, you're not going to be able to pick up the messages. Mm. So it's like get healthy internally, get healthy externally, and then use breath, pranayama, as a tool. And as I started going deeper, it just started reinforcing the notion that we have it all here. And, you know, we were talking earlier about a revolutionary approach, a radical approach. Mm. You know, our whole entire society has conditioned us to believe that we are not enough that we need to strive for more and then when we get this body this car this bank account this credit store then we're going to be complete and yoga radically flips that upside down and says no it's all inside you and if you do the work you will receive the award if you use the tools the tools will work for you and there's this word in sanskrit called sadhana sadhana means the practice showing up so it, that translates to way more than just yoga. It's like when we show up and do the work rooted in love, rooted in truthfulness, rooted in consideration for others, we shift and we create a chain reaction of positivity that inevitably leads to another work called the sittis. The sittis are the spontaneous gifts that are arise from doing the sadhana. And so once I grasp that, wow. I realized that good or bad or indifference, it's always on me. Hmm. Because if the world is just a reflection of who I am on the inside, stop trying to change everything out there. Work on here. As Gandhi said, you know, be the change you wish to see. It truly is real. But what's cool is that there is ancient tools that have been proven, unlike the new keto fad, the paleo, the, the, yeah. the, the paleo fad, the CrossFit fad. These are 5,000 years old that have survived the... the hmm survived history and appeared to us at this time to help us truly harness our power I love it it, it seems so rational to me of, of these ideas of just be compassionate be honest <laughs> focus on your breath keep your body <laughs> right. in, in shape right. take care of the vessel right and um, it's just to check on something that I had heard or read a while ago the idea was that the yoga the physical aspect of yoga is simply a preparation to to help you meditate, mm-hmm. to help you sit for a long time. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And so then the meditation is actually the end result of the asanas. Mm-hmm. Is that right? The and then the meditation the is like when you're the receptive to the universal messages and yeah. truths, etc. Peace and love and understanding and all that jazz, which are great. Yeah. But I think um, I think a lot of people don't actually understand that or haven't heard that because I remember hearing that and being really shocked by that mm-hmm. like oh like all, all the time all of this is just designed originally so that I could sit still for a long time 
that's weird, <laughs> right? Like that's weird. Right. And then I started thinking, you know, why would, why would you devote so much time and energy to prepare yourself to sit? And then I was thinking, well, it's probably pretty important then. Yeah. If the end goal was that these ancient lineages were promoting was to just sit still and listen internally mm -hmm. to the quiet breath, maybe there's something to that, right? Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is, well, it's 5,000 years of, of, you know, proven adequacy. Yeah. Why don't we give that a go? Refined spiritual technology. <laughs> yeah. My dear teacher, Mark Whitwell, says, give people what they want so you can give them what they need. Okay. So sometimes you got to show them the handstands. You got to show them that <laughs> the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus side of things. Yeah. So you can never believe get them to sit down and tune into the That's present it, moment. Right? Like, all right, I'll take your photo for Instagram, but then we're going to meditate <laughs> right. for an hour. Right. I love it. Um, and I think in some ways too, what came up for me there, and talking about uh, being radical or revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think a lot of different things can be radical, and so I, I grew up on a diet of punk rock in LA hmm. of you know fuck the system everything's broken you can't tell me what to do let's do it different the world's broken lots of anger and resentment right, right? and so that aspect or, or that uh, narrative was partially in rebellion to the pain that was inherent in the way things are mm -hmm. but not necessarily grounded in any kind of uh, beneficial reaction or response it was right. more like let's just get the anger out and let's let rage against the machine is right. an example right but not necessarily i wasn't really aware of what to do with it aside from just to get it out and the thing i like about what you're saying and what meditation has brought me individually is is it's a really pragmatic tool that you can use anywhere at any time to rebel and yeah. be a, react, uh, a revolutionary against the system while at the same time investing in yourself and your truth and making discoveries, having insights, etc. And I am such a huge proponent of meditation now. And I literally used to make fun of people that meditated. Like, what are you doing? That doesn't make Same. any sense. You hippie? <laughs> it's right. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a hippie. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, <laughs> how, awesome. you, I mean, man, you can't argue with results though. It's no, like people that meditate a lot, like just talking to you, to you and your energy and your vibe, people that are healthy, doing the work, that, that are very disciplined and responsible, they're really happy. Yeah. And they're really fulfilled and they're making a positive impact in the world. They love themselves. The tools and, work. And the tools work. You talk to a lot of these people. It's like, what do you do? Well, uh, I wake up early. I take care of my body. I speak my heart. Well, everything that you just said. I meditate. I meditate. Yeah. I love. I, I'm grateful. Yeah. I yeah. give more than I take. Yeah. They're just chill. Yeah. And it's, like, it is that easy. It is that easy. It's that easy. Okay, so, so we're getting lost in tangents. <laughs> Gratitude, yoga, forgiveness. That's your, like another one to keep you centered. Forgiveness keeps me centered. How, how so? So one of the first expressions where I understood the power of forgiveness, because I held a lot of resentment. Growing up, how I grew up, I was mad at everybody. I was mad at the system. So what, what if we just, like for those who don't know you, like, like yeah. a quick synopsis of your childhood or yeah, your yeah. story. Uh, east side of Vegas, housing projects, section eight, food stamp, gangbanging. One of the stories that I've recently started to talk about more was I had a friend who, his brother, my, my buddy Chris, his brother also named Brandon, there was a local 7-Eleven that was like a couple blocks away from my apartments when I was a kid and we'd go there and play Street Fighter. So the entrepreneur in me like started at about that age. My mom gave me a squeegee and she said, you should go around and wash people's windows for a quarter. So we would like go so wash play the video games. Yeah, so we go play the video <laughs> games. And I remember there was like our spot, we loved it. And then one day as we're walking out, we hear a shot and we look over at my friend, Brandon, my friend Chris's big brother, and he has blood on his side of his eye. and. Come to find out, he got shot in the head. 
in front of the 7-Eleven store. Seven years old, eight years old, this is like the neighborhoods we grew up in. So 7-Eleven is off the table. My mom, his mom decided to keep us in all the time. But this was really just a sample size of like where I grew up. And it was a place where very few make it out. You know, very few. It's a place of broken dreams. It's a place of, you end up in three places, either dead, jail, or working at a job you hate. So this is where I come from. This is what molded me. I now see it as my warrior's rite of passions. This was my training. And because of what it was, I was able to navigate my way through it. And, you know, thank God for books. And thank God for my mom, even though she, you know, suffers with some mental illnesses. Thank God that she was rooted in love because those became the tools that allowed me to catalyze my situation. But because of how I grew up, because the system was always telling me that there was something wrong with me, the teachers and counselors always would put me in these learning disabled classes or put me in these classes where I had to talk about my feelings. Like there was always an issue with me. And society and cops and everything to just always seem to mess with me. I grew, I, I grew very bitter and resentful. Also, because I never saw my father, I also had resentment in that space. Like, why can't I have a father? Am I not good enough? What is it about me that is not deserving of all that? So mm-hmm. when I got into my 20s and I started on my path and I really was digging deep and trying to unlock certain parts of me, I realized that forgiveness was one, gonna be hard, but two, was necessary for me to evolve. So I read this book by Michael Bernard, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith called Spiritual Liberation. And he had this exercise in there about forgiving people. At that time, I'd finally got reconnected with my father, which was super crazy. I was at UNLV and in a African-American literature class and my professor was talking about doing a documentary on the black confederate soldiers and he was doing it at valley high school and this crazy aha memory came up and i remember my mom said she met my dad at valley high school like four years before i was born and i said mr armstrong you know my i think my parents met at valley high school and he looks at me and he says is your dad named lane rowling long story short His big brother was my dad's best friend. And so that night I talked to my father for the first time. Come to find out my father is, you know, an infectious disease researcher living in the Amazon jungle. Never met him, never knew who he was. And so I was doing my work up until then, but that point came and there was this opportunity to either hold on to the story, hold on to my resentment, with this individual or forgive and allow a new possibility to happen. And so I decided to forgive along with him. I wrote out every person that I had beef with, every person that hurt me. It was, I think, 76 individuals (laughs) to be exact that Uh I had beef with. And what was crazy was the only way you can have beef with somebody is every day you got to relive the beef. Mm -hmm. So I got 76 dudes. I'm battling women every day. I've heard that described as, so you wake up and you have a clean slate. You, You just were unconscious for eight hours and you wake up and you have that moment of bliss like, ah, I'm alive. And then you have to download all of the stuff (laughs) that you hold on to. Like, oh yeah, I hate that guy. Oh yeah, I'm resentful about that. And it's a choice. It's sort of a subconscious choice, right? Yeah, so that process of forgiveness, I wrote everybody down. And then the last person I wrote down on that list was myself. I got to forgive myself. And I made a choice to forgive. So how, how do you do that? How do you just forgive 76 people? What's your, what's your process? Post-traumatic growth. <laughs> Realizing that they were all there to either teach you a lesson or mm. give you some insight onto how to further harness your energy, your, your power, and help you along the path. Mm. And at that time, through what I've, my, my work up until then allowed me to look at that from a, a different perspective. And so that was one of the ways I really started to harness forgiveness. The other way 
where I really understood forgiveness for the first time was during ayahuasca ceremony in Peru. And the download was really interesting. I got taken back and for those who've never worked with ayahuasca, it's basically a very powerful psychedelic uh, vision vision quest style. But I found myself standing next to the ultimate yogi, uh, Jesus. And Jesus was standing there and he said, the world doesn't need me for Christianity. The world doesn't need me for religion. The world needs me for what I'm about to do right now. And then this guy comes up to him and he puts his sword into his stomach. And Jesus says, watch this. In, in my vision, he says, and he looks at the guy who's literally killing him. This is like symbolic. And he says, I love you, brother. I love you. And he said, the world doesn't need me for religion. The world needs me because this is what I symbolize, forgiveness. And then in that same moment, I get shifted back to this plantation. And on this plantation, I see my ancestors, my African side. So a lot of people know I'm both black and white. So I get shifted to this plantation and I'm standing in front of my African ancestors. And they're saying, will you take some of our pain for us? And I'm like, absolutely, like whatever that, that means. So it's, it's, it's pretty graphic, it's pretty wild, but I get chained up and I start getting whipped. And then I look back and the guy who's whipping me is also my ancestor. Basically both my African side and my Caucasian side. And the message that came through to me was that I would not truly be able to be free until I did what Jesus basically showed me in that past, in that past vision, the previous vision, that I had to be able to forgive that too. And growing up, how I grew up, I had all this animosity, especially, you know, Plessy versus Ferguson said, if you're 116th black, you're considered black. So I had this animosity. It was me versus other people. It was my color versus this color. It was my socioeconomics versus those other socioeconomics. So there was all this pain. And so the practice I did with my dad and then finally understanding it through this plant medicine ceremony, it gave me a perspective forgiveness to realize that in order for us to truly be free, in order for us to truly fly and be liberated, we gotta forgive. And that power, that pop of forgiveness is bigger than just for us. Mm-hmm. It heals lineages, it heals ancestry, it heals our future generations. And once I understood that, it changed, it changed so much for me. That forgiveness to myself, forgiveness to others, forgiveness to society, it gave me uh, a, a place of peace. And it's only in peace that one can find power. Mm. Dude, you're, that's a crazy story. You saw Jesus get assassinated, <laughs> and then you realized that your ancestors, you're, you're both like the hero and the villain in a way, right? Yeah. Of like, you have parts of yourself that's the slave master and parts that's the slave. Yeah. Like literally. Both, both surging through me. If you take my mom's ancestral line to Tennessee, yeah. they were slave masters. You take my dad's ancestral line to Louisiana, they're slaves. Yeah. And this is both inside. How, how does that feel? Like, I cannot experience that. Like, what does that feel like? I feel like... <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it feels great. I love it. Yeah, I feel well, now like, it does. <laughs> I feel like this is the future. I feel like, yeah. I feel like, you know, we are... It is what it is, though, right? Like, and yeah. on some level, you can't change your past. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can't change your DNA. You can't... Depending on what right. you believe, right? And so it is what it is. You can either choose to battle against the past which is just some kind of creation in your brain it doesn't even exist right right or you could just accept it and move on you take what take the lessons take the knowledge take the experience become a better person and then bang here we go right game on right so how did you how do you how do you like i've, I've just like so many questions so one for me would be the difference between forgiving yourself and forgiving other people do you see that as the same thing same process I think yeah. where I'm going with that I guess is oftentimes yeah. 
people think like, oh, you have to forgive that person as if it's a thing that you're doing for them rather than a thing that you're doing for yourself. It's all for us. It's yeah, that's the hack. Is like the forgiveness is totally selfish. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just for you. Yeah, like it's for you. It's a release. It's a an acceptance, a surrender, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, how do you then? How do you do that for yourself? I guess because I, I talk to a lot of people and and they find that to be challenging, right? But like, well, it's easy to just say, yeah, I forgive you, neighbor. I forgive you, mom, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then it's like the it's work. Yeah. So what's the work, I guess? Like, the work is... How do, you, how do you describe it? How do you... The work is presence. The work is the cultivation of tools. I think different tools work for different people. I don't think there's one size fit all, fits all. But going back to the fundamental tool of gratitude, gratitude puts a person in a space to be able to start to really implement mm. and do the work. And when one can learn to be grateful for the trauma, grateful for the hard times, then we are... Then we can transmute the trauma alchemically. We're able to take that trauma and catalyze it forward. You know, one of my favorite books is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And, you know, everybody should read that, in my opinion. It's must must reading. Must read. If you're on the pass. You want to be human? <laughs> right. Read this book. Yeah, and he was able to, you know, he, he saw right there in the Nazi concentration camps that certain people survived and it wasn't necessarily about you know how successful somebody was it wasn't about how athletic somebody was it was really those people who were able to Mm -hmm. find hope in uh, the most dire situation the only way one can find hope is to be grateful and so I think gratitude sets the precedent sets the template the the foundation for forgiveness to start to happen I love that I think one of the quotes in that was, was something like he who has a why can bear any how something like this that's like, fire it's something like that of like whatever whatever is happening whatever has happened however it is happening if your why is greater than that yeah. like if you have a why then that wins against everything yeah. else right and so it sounds like your why potentially is gratitude like just to be grateful for the entire human experience to take take it all the the muck and the the madness the sorrow yeah. the sadness like all of it like I'm alive yeah and give me and more give me more pour dirt pour more dirt on me so where does, so where does that come from like that desire for more like because that's a little bit different than the there's a difference I think between like I'm grateful for all the yeah. crap and I moved on versus like bring on more yeah. crap you know? I remember last year and I've just started talking more about this recently but I ended up losing my chain of gyms that I built. I lost this whole level. So you like of, own gyms? Yeah, so I, I had a whole chain of gyms that I created in Las Vegas called Real Results and walking my path, you know, in 2016, I put everything in storage and I decided to walk my path and mm-hmm. really dive into truth just on a nudge. And I thought it was going to be this like epic leap into success. I was like, I'm going to like travel the world and my <laughs> gyms are going to kill everything and I'm going to be the man in all areas. Then it went completely the other way. I it's like to... the universe is listening like, oh, he's got a little bit of ego going on there. I was all Take ego. it away. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> lost the gyms, went bankrupt, you know, lost my whole entire fan, uh, uh, not friends I would say, but just the, the social group that I was in. And I knew that I was growing when... I was walking down Sunset Boulevard with $14 in my pocket to my name. And on the outside looking in, everybody sees, you know, Brandon, the master trainer. Brandon, you know, has all this going on. And I'm, I'm sitting there going to 7-Eleven to get my, my lunch. And that's all I had. And I said, thank you. I looked up to the sky and said, thank you. And I was like, I don't know what's going down, but I know that I, I know that something's changed in me because even in this, I understand that something bigger than me is being like, ushered in. Mm. And I say that give me more. And I remember I went and prayed later that night and I was basically saying, I will take whatever is thrown at me to step into my highest power, whatever that is, good or bad. Mm. give it to me all the good let's celebrate the bad 
Thank you for more mud because inevitably mm. we're, ever, we're 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 gonna we're gonna grow. Not this mm. flower is not gonna be some little flower. We're trying to be a red one. Yeah, it's an orchard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, like my mom, man, in Vegas, she has her garden, and like Vegas dirt, they call it like I think it's caliche or something. It's like okay. crappy, crappy sand. Mm-hmm. She tries to grow her flowers and all that, yeah, and they don't grow. But then what does she do? She goes to Home Depot. Some fertilizer. She gets a whole bunch of like grade A crap. She pours it all over yeah. that dirt. The more yeah. crap, yeah. the flowers bloom. It's true. And so that's what I say is like, give me all the crap yeah. that I need, the fertilizer, to help me bloom into my highest expression because mm-hmm. my passion is self-actualization, self-realization. There's nothing yeah. more passionate about that. There's nothing that feels better than understanding and knowing yeah. thyself. I feel like I feel like you're like an enlightened David Goggins. Do you know David Goggins? <laughs> it's a beast. Yeah, man. <laughs> Somebody it's told me that the other day. They were like, yeah. I was running. They were like, you kind of look like David Goggins. Yeah, I, man. I looked him up. I was like, this guy's a monster. He's a monster. If you've not listened to some of the podcasts <laughs> that he's been on, it is insane. But he's all about that. That like ferocious mentality of just like I'll do anything and like challenging ourselves to be more uncomfortable to push a little bit harder push a little bit further to see what we are capable of but his presentation style is a little bit more abrasive and uh, unlikable I would Mm -hmm. say but like it's just like a a different way of doing it yours I feel like is a little bit more light and free and easier it seems of like yeah bring it like I got this it's all a lesson. It's all helping me in the long run. I'm not trying to run from anything, which I think is a really practical approach because I find that the more... Jesus. Um, the more... Yeah, bring it. More noise for this podcast. Bring it. Start the construction outside. I need an ambulance. Um, like the more that we try to avoid something, the more, we, the more we push away an outcome that we don't desire, mm-hmm. the more power we give to it and the less power we give to ourselves. Right. And oftentimes we manifest that thing as happening anyway yeah. because of the subconscious ways we deal with it. Like, oh, you're scared of losing all your money, Mr. Ego? Guess what? <laughs> yeah, poof. Yeah. Here's $14. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And so on some level, though, that must have been really <laughs> empowering, right? To be, to, to know like, I'm facing I'm facing the the darkness, I'm facing mm-hmm. bankruptcy and I'm okay. Yeah. Right? I'm so empowering. I'm so okay with with all of it. And I'm ready for the for the next yeah. thing, right? It was crazy because that was the lowest I'd been in a decade plus. All my accounts got frozen. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um it was like real real financial hardship. Real financial <laughs> hardship, but it's different being in poverty mindset and not having anything and being in abundant mindset and not having anything. Mm. The frame is different. So what's the difference? In poverty mindset, you're looking at the worst. Mm. In abundant mindset, you're looking at the best. I get to have $14 instead. I only have $14. I'm like, it's better than 12. Exactly. <laughs> it's better than a dollar. At least the 7-Eleven's <laughs> open. And then it was kind of a, that was a, that was a cha- that was the closing of a chapter because the next week I made the most I've ever made teaching one class and it wasn't even a fitness class it wasn't even a trainer although years before that you know 14 years before that I had been a trainer mm. it was a yoga class mm. so I think sometimes the universe is going to take everything that is non-essential for the next chapter away mm. to get you ready for the next chapter mm. It's so powerful. We we just don't know. Right? We <laughs> right. just don't know. Of like, oh, this is the worst thing that ever. We heard that old. Uh, it's like a Zen fable or something, and the the punchline is maybe. You heard this before? Yeah, yeah. It's like, that. oh, yes. the horses ran off. You must be so distraught. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Like, and it it turns out that like everything. Basically, to summarize, this old like fable whatever everything bad that happens that everybody's really upset about for this for this farmer ends up being a really good thing yeah. and everything good that happens for this farmer that everybody celebrates and honors him for turns out to be a really bad thing and he just keeps saying maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe like oh you're so blessed maybe, maybe. right and so I, I love this story because 
I go back to it in times of, of like hardship or celebration. Yeah. Like, whoa, I just got this great opportunity. And it's like, Hank, chill, man. Like, maybe this isn't so great. You know, maybe something bad will happen. If like, I use that as a centering tool. Yeah. That word, maybe. I've even thought about tattooing. <laughs> yeah, just maybe. Respect. I'm like, maybe. I think there's just a lot of empowerment from that perspective of recognizing that we can't control the future to a large extent. Like things are going to happen right. that are beyond our control. And the only thing that we can control day-to-day, moment-to-moment is what's going on inside of our, our minds, right? Like our mindset. And that, to me, seems like a very reasonable um, starting point. If you're looking to cultivate a new life, I believe it starts within. And I feel like you relate to that as well. Yeah. Like, be grateful. Practice forgiveness. Do some yoga. What else? Meditate. Meditate. Surround yourself with people that amplify you. I have a new set point. Amplifiers only. Amplifiers only. Amplifiers only. I don't got time for anything outside of that. So how do you define an an amplifier? You know, it's it's a case by case basis. (laughs) It's like like, it's like a feeling, like an internal feeling of like like Mark says, if it's a if it's not a fuck yes, it's a hell no. Exactly. It's like it's straight up. (laughs) And I've become very strict with that expression because I've understood I now understand how sacred my energy is you know Mm -hmm. if we are these instruments these fine-tuned precise instruments that pick up you know cosmic energy when we're off it throws the whole entire expression off the cosmos the cosmos yeah and the higher we get it's like you're driving a car and at 10 miles per hour and you hit the wheel you course correct you're good yeah. You're like, I'm back on track. Okay. You're in the new Tesla Roadster. There. I guess they're saying it's like <laughs> 0 to 60, like 1.8 seconds. Yeah. You hit the wheel, yeah. you're flying off mm. into another direction. Right. I feel like the higher we get on this, the, the farther we go down this path, the more amplified an individual becomes, the more sensitive their instruments become. Whereas like what worked at level mm. one was cool. Level 20 requires a higher skill set. It requires a a more conscious adherence to the tools. And it also becomes so important, the circle that one surrounds herself with, because I've noticed just in my path that certain individuals throw my vibe off instantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before, I would just try to be like, you know what, I gotta be like, love for everybody and it's cool and it's just me and I'm sitting at this table and I'm not really vibing with this guy but I'm gonna try to force a conversation and I realized that it was my intuition my higher self really telling me like this individual's vibration not saying he's not a good dude not saying it's all love and all that it's just not resonating with yours and so now I've I have the wherewithal within me to be like you know what I trust my vibes. I trust my intuition. They've never, t- they've never steered me wrong. And what I choose to surround myself with is amplifiers only. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, me in an amplified state is going to heal humanity on such a more grander scale than me in a de-amplified state. And if it mm-hmm. really is as conscious as saying, this energy's for me, this energy's not for me, so be it. And that's what it really has become for me. Yeah, and I, and I think it's important to recognize that you can be both loving and compassionate and not to choose to go and yeah. hang out with someone. Like you can be loving and compassionate towards someone and not want to talk to them. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all love. <laughs> I send you love. I'm going to be over here. Doing, I send you a love bomb. <laughs> a love bomb. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so one, one question I have for you, though, around that idea is, in those instances where you're choosing to prioritize yourself and risking the disappointment or the judgment of others like what's what's your internal dialogue or your process whereby you're choosing yourself over the oh I should do that I should do that oh but they're my mom oh but the the excuses and the expectations right because it can be difficult for people to to choose themselves and to decide I'm worthy of only amplifiers. It's like a bold statement for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you don't understand. I've got bosses. I've got my neighbor, <laughs> my, my partner, whatever, right? So, like, what's your inner 
inner unlocking the system? Or is it as easy as just being like, fuck it, I'm, it's really I that, choose me. It's really that easy. Everything else is just added stuff. But to just put it in perspective, you know, I spent some time in Egypt a few years ago. And this guy, Mahmoud, was telling me the history of the pyramids. And he said, not everybody got to go inside the pyramid. He said, most people only got to see the pyramid. And he's actually, he said, actually, most people only got to hear about the pyramids. And then a smaller percentage of that got to see the pyramids. And a smaller percentage of that, those who earned the right, got to actually go and touch the pyramids. And a smaller percentage of that got to go inside the pyramids. And then an even smaller percentage of that got to <laughs> learn to read the hieroglyphs in the pyramids. And then like a very, very, very elite center got to go into the royal chambers and learn the deepest secrets. And I feel like as individuals who have these unique soul expressions surging through us, we almost got to treat ourselves like a pyramid. People, if they have not done the work that we've done, what is brewing inside us is sacred. It really is. And whatever is sacred, we have to protect. You know, we were talking earlier about spending time in Bali. What I appreciate so much about those people is this, how they look at everything sacred. When you walk into one of their homes, you take off your shoes, you approach things with reverence and righteousness and everything like that. I feel the same way when it comes to like truly harnessing one's superpowers. Not mm-hmm. everybody got to kick it with Superman. Yeah. Lois Lane got to kick it with Superman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? He chose. He chose. He chose. Yeah. Because she amplified him. She mm. gave him something that he needed. And in that amplification, he was able to become more powerful. So for me, it's just really rooting in that space of self-love, self-understanding, and knowing thyself and knowing what works. This is just my tool. I have one of my really good friends. He thrives off of being around everybody. Yeah. That's where he derives his power Loves from. Loves it. Loves it. Yeah. It, that's what. That's how he amplifies himself. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've realized that the deeper I've gone, my particular instrument, this instrument that we call Brandon Collinsworth in this incarnation, is sensitive, and certain energies deamplify me, and certain energies amplify me. And I think you know, for those on the path. That's the beautiful thing of learning about oneself because a book's not going to talk about that. This is this comes from life experience right. that I know that I wish I would have known a lot longer, but now I know that and once you know, you get the choice to either go back and continue to try to do things the way the society says or, you know, create your own manual your your operating system for life. And this yeah. and this is one of mine. I love that. This idea of just just trying some shit. Like, I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> simple like, as that. Try some shit. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm a big fan of treating life like an experiment. Right. Or like a challenge is the new buzzword, right? Yeah. 30 day challenge. Yeah. Wake up at 6 a.m. for a month. Like, try that. Yeah. Try being a vegetarian for a month. Try doing yoga every day for a month. Try, like, you run challenges on your Instagram. 100 burpee challenge right now a day. 100 burpees a day. For a month. For, okay, yeah. So 30 yeah. days of burpees. Yeah. 30 days of running. <laughs> and just like 30 days of um, not drinking. 30 days of saying no to, um, to going to parties. 30 days of meditation. And just see what works. That's, I feel like that's how I've learned my stuff. Absolutely. Like, oh. Research. Research. Scientist. And the beautiful... Yeah, exactly, man. I'm like analytical, rational, reasonable. Like... The beautiful thing about integrating a scientific perspective is that it's all about data collection. Like, there is no failed experiments. It's just evidence for the next experiment. Like, oh, okay, well, that didn't work. So let's adjust accordingly and run it again. That still didn't work? Let's run it again. Oh, we're closer to what we think is really happening? Do it again. <laughs> like, it. oh, success. Yeah. Now we know the recipe. And then it's just about integrating that recipe day after day after day. And being sensitive enough to then adjust it if things are starting to shift a little bit. Of like, I'm really freaking sh- sick of burpees on day 29. So maybe it's another month of new challenges. Yeah. Whether that's push-ups or running or cartwheels, whatever, right? That's a beautiful perspective. And I think it 
is it so empowering to become like a scientist? Yeah. Because then you can look at things objectively mm-hmm. and take the emotion out of it. Yeah. And, and at the root, of th- thank you. And like, you're, you're putting me on a soapbox here because I could rant about science for a long time. B. But like, <laughs> at the root of science is just inherent curiosity. Right. We're trying, to, we're trying to answer questions about the world around us, right? And so in the same way that you can do that with scientific experiments, you can do that about your past even, or, or interactions you have with people. Like, wow, that person in my life really triggers me. Like, why is that? Get curious. Yeah. Like, what's going on inside of you that that human just living their life is, is making you go cuckoo yeah. up a tree, right? And for me, it's like, I'm staying with my mom at the moment, and for whatever reason, her dogs, <laughs> her dogs, Brandon, drive me crazy. Like, every morning I wake up to them, like, whining. They're like, yeah. I'm just like, duh. And so for me, that's one example, that little process. Of like, okay, dogs barking. What's going on inside, Jer? What's there to explore and what's there to learn? The triggers of such teachers. The triggers of the teachers. <laughs> like, that's it. Has nothing to do with him. It has he's nothing show, to do with he's the dog. Show, <laughs> he's showing me what's going on inside I'm me. Like, wow, thank you for showing me what I need to work on, right? Um, <laughs> that's funny. Dang. All right, man. We we literally just hit an hour. I'm conscious of your time. Uh, I could do this for days, man. Respect. Um, is there anything you want to discuss more of? Is there anything like how can people find you? Yeah. What's your what do you, what's your deal? You can man whatever okay. you want. By now, if people are listening, they're just like madly in love with your spirit, and they're like, dude, I want to follow follow you Respect. on Instagram. I want to come do ayahuasca with you in Peru. I want to climb a pyramid. <laughs> Well, one thing that ayahuasca told me just on that on that note is that we don't need ayahuasca. Mm. It's, it's all inside. And all these different tools, all these different mediums, you know, they're becoming very popular. They're very becoming very, um, you know, mainstream at the moment. It's like the cool thing now. Of like, yeah. oh, how many times have you done ayahuasca? Like, it's, uh, it's radical. And the reality is, is we come fully equipped, you know. And the plant medicines, the yoga, the teachings, the martial arts, they all teach us that. At the end of the day, we have everything we want. The problem with like working with certain plant medicines is that they take you to 1 to 100 so quick and you don't know how to get there. You lose 2 to 99. The beautiful thing about yoga is it teaches you and it takes you in a sustainable beautiful progressive fashion where you can go 1, 2, 3, 4. So for those that um, are considering that, Sometimes these things show us what's possible, but it doesn't abstain you from doing the work. The mm-hmm. real magic is in the work. The true I, enlightenment is in the work. And I love that meditation and yoga call it a practice. Yeah. Of like, no, it's a practice. Yeah. A day after day after day kind of thing. Daily it's practice. It's a long-term lifestyle. It's lifestyle, yeah. It's not a quick, quick pill that you take and you figure it out. Yeah, and the shifts happen, or as I mentioned earlier, once you do the sadhana, the practice, mm-hmm. you receive those spontaneous gifts. I think, you know, first and foremost, thank you, brother, for bringing me on. It's it's truly an honor. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for going in and thank you for sharing your light the way you do. It's, it's incredible. And so it was an honor to be on here. And then for those that are listening, you know, just know that you are complete. God does not create defunct products. We come fully equipped. I'm talking about like Tesla fully equipped. If we were equating it to a car, the newest one, we are not basic models at all. The key is to really tune in and to like harness the tools. And each tool is different. For some people, the hammers work. Some other people, they need a screwdriver. You know, for example, some for some people, meditation might be their thing. For other people, it might be running. It's really about, you know, as we were talking about earlier, being a scientist, collecting the data, and then implementing the data in, in real time. To connect with me more, to connect with me deeper right now, and a lot of my mentors and friends are kicking me because I don't have a website, but I, I am kind of esoteric when it comes to like my walk. I'd much rather be in the jungles sipping coconuts than rooted on social media and, and in front of a TV. I love that you don't have a website, man. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And so you, Instagram is my go-to platform right now. 
And I don't know how people have more than one social media platform. So at Brandon Collinsworth, another experience that I created that is uh, really gaining a lot of momentum is my warrior retreats experience in Peru. It's goes on once a year to curate a rite of passage um, into the lands, into humanitarian work, into what I call life awaska, <laughs> not ayahuasca, because truly just the life and the vibrations epigenetically enhances people going down to Peru. Mm. And so it's really about going back, you know, connecting with like-minded individuals <clears throat> and truly stepping outside of one's environment so that there's actually enough space to download some new scripts. And that's what Warrior Retreats is going on. So we're going on our fifth one, um, and that goes down in December. Applications open up in March. Um, you cannot just sign up. There's an application process, usually by referral or application only. And then lastly, one of the things I'm most excited about is the fusion of yoga into the sports performance place with Nike. You know, I've been a trainer for Nike for a while, master trainer for the last three years. And getting into the yoga space, you know, I realized how powerful this beautiful ancient tool is give people what they want so you can give them what they need there's nothing beautiful more beautiful than a platform like nike getting behind an ancient system like yoga and so mm -hmm. the last year has been really working on infusing yoga into the sports performance place and showing people that athleticism transcends sport athleticism is basically harnessing our body fine-tuning our machine to a state to actualize our potential and yoga is a big piece of that it's about going in tuning in to breath tuning into truth tuning into our values becoming a scientist of self and then from there utilizing that to truly share our expression with the world so nike yoga is going full force you can find that on the ntc app and you can also you know download the ntc app NTC. Yeah, NTC okay. app. Yep. Is there a way, if they want to come and work out with you in person, is there a way to do that? At the moment, outside no. of like pop-up experiences, that is uh, not, that, happening. Not, not happening, but okay. in the future. Yeah, right now we're still on the mission, heading to Bali in a couple weeks to go deeper into my studies. Are you working with certain people? or? Yeah, Carlos Romero, um, livinginspired.com. He, uh, he has a Thai massage teacher training so the art of healing touch it's called so i'll be in ubud bali in two weeks nice to go deep how long are you going for tbd awesome the one-way ticket <laughs> one-way tickets bro <laughs> trust in the universe that's that's a decent direction to travel yeah one-way ticket to bali well my man thank you so much thank for you who you are what you do your journey your truth. I just, I so enjoy your presence, man. And I'm just such an honor to be in your life and vice versa. And, uh, and long may it happen, man. I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you, brother. All right. Isn't he just such a good dude? I just adore him. And as we mentioned, you could find him on Instagram at Brandon Collinsworth. I encourage you to check him out. He's a very thoughtful writer as well. And as per usual, if you like the podcast and you want to share it with your friends and family and your mailmen and your dogs and anyone else you've ever met in your life, that'd be great. It helps me to get the word out and to make a little bit more of a positive impact in the world. If you want to leave a review, also great. And you can find me online at Long Distance Love Bombs. That's it. Have yourself a good day. Go do some cartwheels in the sunshine. Rub some grass in your toes. And keep smiling and kick some ass. And I love you. Take care.